You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hey, what's up, folks? Really glad to be talking to you again this week. And I'm really excited about this episode. It turned out really, really good. Um, I don't know how many of you are familiar with Davidas and what he does, but he has a very large YouTube channel, which is pretty much exclusively his performances. And uh, he he's a musician from Lithuania. He's I, I won't, I'll let him tell his story, but just to kind of familiarize yourself, he's he's on YouTube. He's got over 400,000 subscribers and millions and millions of views. It's a it's kind of an interesting it's an interesting view on the music world from his vantage point, I think. And so this episode we we got into his gear, we talked about exactly what his setup is and how he uses it, but we really just kind of went for a high-level uh music talk, which was uh refreshing and interesting. And we both have a little bit different takes on what's going on and it was it was a really it was a really fun chat and he has a, a cool perspective and his channel's awesome and I really enjoyed talking with him. So hopefully you guys enjoy this chat as much as I did. And let's see, do we have any housekeeping to take care of this week? Oh yes. We are almost at a hundred reviews on iTunes. In fact, we're just two away. Two away from having a hundred reviews on iTunes. And that doesn't mean anything, but I would really like to see a hundred reviews on iTunes. So if you have a, a few minutes to pop over there and leave a review that would be most excellent i'd love to crack that that three three figure barrier on there uh simply for uh no reason at all just because i think it would be nice so if, if you've been looking for an excuse now's as good a time as any and that really does help the show out quite a bit so i think that's it for now i'm just going to get right into this episode enjoy Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob podcast, the show about guitar tone and the people behind it. I'm your host, Blake Wyland, and with me today, I have Davi Daz. What's going on, man? Hello. Uh, it's not much, but I, I made a point to set an alarm. I woke up, and I'm here. Okay, perfect. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> you, had, you had to set an alarm for 1 p.m.? Well, you know how editing goes, right? So Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> yes. I didn't know if maybe you had a late gig. You were sleeping, trying to get some beauty well, sleep. Well, th- those are, th- yeah, that happens as well. But that was over the weekend. Yeah, I had like late gigs for sure. Yeah. You, you, uh, yeah, you have a really interesting setup and everything. And I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to tell your story for you because a I don't know it that well, but I think a lot of my listeners may not. So, uh, I mean, you've got a you. I don't. You came from Lithuania and you ended up in Florida, so I don't know how that happened. And I would like to know what uh, what's your musical backstory? How did you get started in all this? 
Well, I started playing when I was I was 14. Uh, I, I wanted to play since I was a kid. I think I wanted to play violin when I was six. But you see where I come from, a man has to be a manly man. And I, I guess I looked kind of skinny at six, so they didn't let me play violin. They they, they took me to the swim school, what they call it. It's like a, like a sports school, you know, and they were, you know, teaching me how to swim because I had asthma too. Basically, if you've seen Lord of the Rings, I, I, was, I was basically Smeagol, okay? That's, that's what I looked okay. like as a kid. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> okay. They were trying to rectify that, <laughs> see if anything could be done about it. You know? <laughs> so, I, I think they did a pretty good job. So, anyways, it was four, I was 14 and and uh, my parents and I and the sister, we were in Germany this summer, and we saw this uh, this this guitar at a flea market, and I really wanted it. So, so we all pitched in, and we got it for like 20, 20 euros, I think, at a time. And when we got back to Lithuania, it got repaired, and uh, and once it got repaired, then I was uh, looking to get, you know, lessons from 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 anybody. Um, um, that was that wasn't like too successful, but that's what kind of got me started in in uh, in you know playing guitar. P parents thought it was going to be a hobby, but it turned out to be the only thing that I'm fairly good at. So then I then I went to music school, but they didn't have guitar classes in music school, so I enrolled in drums. That was the only thing available. So then I and I played drums. Then I did that for like a year and a half, and then I transferred to music gymnasium, which gymnasium doesn't mean a gym. In Lithuanian, means like a higher education. Not higher education, but meaning like a specialized high school. So then I took classic. Interesting. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, like a lot of words that, well, that's like a different topic. But I took classical guitar for a half a year. I didn't like that. And then I transferred to a music conservatory in my hometown, and then I, then I graduated from that. So that's kind of like musical education story, um, in in a in a nutshell. Right, and then you ended up in Florida. <laughs> now, what happened next? What was uh, well, what I was, was the gonna, next step? I graduated, and I was gonna move because I was already like doing gigs with with my band Lithuania and playing, you know, covers and originals, and I was exclusively singing in English because I just want I just like that American music and just. All of that, so I was gonna either go to you know United Kingdom or Germany. I was learning German, and then I got connected with some uh, some Americans musicians from Florida, and they saw some of my videos on YouTube. I wasn't making YouTube videos per se, but uh, I was on Lithuania's Got Talent, so they saw those videos from the from Lithuania's Got Talent YouTube, whatever you know. And then they we got talking, and they said, "Oh, you should definitely come to uh, to our Kojak's." Uh, pork barbecue some kind of festival or something and i said wow that'd be great and in my mind i thought wow it must be like a big blues festival or something well it was in the parking lot of a barbecue barbecue restaurant in in, in, in palmetto and uh it's a really funny story but anyways these two guys that i never met in person i connected with them on facebook and one of them was uh, he's a musician steve rv uh, not kind of like you know rv but it's it begins with an a and and you know I, I I came down and you know gotcha. let me borrow a couple of his guitars and an amp and I, I started started doing gigs in this area and in you know this this uh, Sarasota Bradenton Florida area. And what about the, the so you were on Lithuania Lithuania's Got Talent and that's that was something I actually wanted to ask you a little bit about is because if you Google yourself you get a lot of different answers. 
as to who, uh, your different uh, monikers you've performed under and all that stuff. So what's, well, this, what's the story there? Well, talent. Um, I think they, they announced that they're going to have this like TV show and I, and I saw it on TV and it's like, go on this website and register and, and then I registered. And at a time when I had a band, uh, I, I, it was like David Smash Band uh, or like David Smash or David Mash and the Smash Band or something like that. I don't know. I watched that movie, Walk the Line with Joaquin Phoenix, and he said, hello, I'm Johnny Cash, you know, so I wanted to say, hello, I'm David Smash, you know, so it had, it had the same sound to it, you know, and gotcha, David is gotcha. David, and my last name is Mushinska, so like the first part is Mush, it sounds kind of like silly, so then I just added an S and then it became Smash, you know, I don't know, sounds cool. And on Lithuania's Got Talent, it was just uh, they used gotcha. my uh, my real name, you know, Davidus, you know, Mashinskis. You know, you can see they have those graphics come up, you know, with with the contestants' number and their name and and age, and it you can see it come up, you know, yeah. Right. Gotcha, gotcha. That makes sense. That makes sense. I was trying to piece that all together. Yeah. This makes a lot more sense now. So where did the um, where did you get started well, on YouTube? What was the inspiration YouTube there? YouTube always kind of existed, and I I knew about it since since it started, but I had no clue that um, people use it for any any real life application beyond just if they have too much extra time on their hands and they're just post videos. Of, I don't know, whatever, right? So in Lithuania, I only <laughs> used YouTube to just to put put videos sort of like a, like a like storage not storage what do you call that um like a yeah like a, like a cloud you know so I, like, like a okay, host so i did a gig yeah. with a band and i had like my mom film it so then the whole thing goes on youtube and i just title it easily so i can find it myself or, or i i go to the gym and then i did some kind of personal record you know so then dad films that and then i put it on youtube so just random stuff you know of me it's it's like my personal storage that's kind of public but no one watches it anyway and then, uh, and my idea of how to become successful, I thought, okay, so you go on TV, you know, because Elvis, Elvis went on Ed Sullivan, and then the Beatles went on Ed Sullivan, and then you know, TV show. So that's why I went on Lithuania's Got Talent. That's why I try to participate in Eurovision, and you know, a bunch of different Got Talent shows in the other European countries, and I, you know, really, really pursued that. And it wasn't until much, much later, you know, while I was in the U.S., that I've tried so many times to go on TV and. It's just, it's just. I think TV is losing its its influence and power. And then, uh, my sister told me about, well, several people. My sister, my fiance, and 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 a bunch of other people that you know they're watching these YouTubers. And I think my fiance was watching somebody with nutrition, or like they were traveling or something, and they're like making a living. I'm like, how are they making a living? And then my sister showed me PewDiePie, and he's like. She's like, he's doing this full time. What do you mean full time? He's making money. How? Like, like no clue. Like, really? And then I, you know, looked at the, looked more, you know, research, you know, go on, go on YouTube. How does one make money on YouTube? How does this, how, how, how can, how can making YouTube videos be a full time job? And I just, and, and it just blew my mind. And I saw these guys just, just play, play Happy Wheels or, or, you know, Friday nights of five nights of Freddy's or something and just like screaming it still takes talent because it's entertaining you know so their talent may not be like musical or something but it's still entertainment you know 
and it's just it was just insane just millions of views and millions of followers and mm-hmm. so so that I, I guess the inspiration came from that you know gotcha gotcha interesting so do you remember your first attempt at like making a youtube video with that in mind do you remember which what that was and what you did yeah, um, I saved up money from my gigs, and I got what what I call the Casey Neistat starter pack, which okay. is a All right. DSLR with a flip-out screen and a microphone on top and a light and a green screen, and then I thought, okay, well, I got to make a video, so I, I just, I wasn't myself, I was trying to copy a collection of people that I've seen and try to do something like that. It was just pure cringe. It's not available for public viewing anymore, that particular video, but it's just it was just bad and you know even with like casey nyset starter kit the views didn't come it's like doesn't matter how good or sharp the image is or it's just it's not about that you know so but yeah i, I very clearly remember like turning the camera on and being silent for like 30 minutes because i just couldn't i've never it's a skill i've never trained myself to have such skill to to be able to talk entertainingly uh, to 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 a lens to basically stare into the eyes of death because that's what a camera lens looks like, you know. <laughs> yes, it is. Right, and uh, I I don't know. So yeah, that was that was the first attempt, and I've tried several numerous other attempts after that, but just n- nothing felt natural. It was just too much effort, and it just wasn't me. You know, I was trying to create some sort of like entertainment of me doing something that I'm not trained or even entertaining to, to look at me doing. Just me, basically me sitting in the chair with, with a microphone stand kind of and doing like a, doing like 20, 2015 PewDiePie, you know, impression. It's just, it just was, it was bad, you know? So was it even a musical thing at the time or are you just trying to make a video that that you know was similar to PewDiePie's or Casey Neistat was, or whatever, like whatever. Insert 2015 popular right, YouTuber I was here. Like I was trying to do like uh, I was. I think that video was me talking about this blues competition that my band participated, and it's not like po- popular among the general public. So I was trying to talk about it and be entertaining and funny and and, and stuff. So it was still like music related, but. Uh, I wasn't playing music in the video and, you know, I wasn't performing, you know. Right, right. Well, obviously, you got something figured out since then, because, you know, last I checked, you had over 400,000 subscribers. So was there a light bulb moment when you're like, okay, I can't do it this way, but I can do it this way? Kind of, well... If I say it's an accident then it's or you know just got lucky that's not true because there were there were so many shots taken before something took off you know so from my understanding you mm-hmm. know the way YouTube worked and still works at the time is like consistency so I have to be able to produce certain amount of content on a weekly basis um for people to return you know kind of like there is like a TV show Thursdays at seven, uh, seven p.m. on FX, you know, and then you know, you know, viewers return for that, and during the season, and if it drops out, then the viewers are not mm-hmm. going to return. So, so I started like you know just watching other people talk about YouTube, uh, like a bunch of YouTube channels that talk about how to grow a YouTube channel, and basically consistent content. So, okay, what what can I do? And I was already doing like five six gigs a week, you know, three four hour gigs sometimes like eight gigs a week, sometimes, you know, two, twice a day. 
and just uh, and I remember watching and learning about other players, you know, that inspired me to start playing or while I was learning guitar. The only, I mean, most of them were dead. So the only way I learned about them is through recorded audio or, or video. And once, you know, YouTube and internet came to Lithuania, I used to watch a bunch of, you know, all time greats, you know, guitarists and performers on YouTube. So, okay, well, I guess people could find out about me somehow. I don't know. So I started videoing my gigs. So, uh, I, I would do like a three hour gig and I would bring my DSLR. I put it, put it on a tripod, like far enough away. So it captures all of me in the frame. But the problem with DSLR is that it shuts off after 25 minutes or 30 minutes. So then you have to like go, go, go up to it and, and, um, and, you know, click it, click it, you know, turn it back on again. So, so I think I did that for a half a year and nobody watched those videos because I, I still didn't take the entire gig. I would like warm up like the first set and then uh, I would think of a song that I would want to take on video and then I would play that song and turn on the camera and, you know, film that and just just, just kind of keep that. And uh, it, it just so there are like some early videos just of that. And I, I remember watching the interview of DubFX. Do you know DubFX? Uh, I don't. He's a he's like a, this performer, beatboxer, singer, and he he toured Europe actively, and he's successful now. Well, from what I understand, and uh, one of those early live loopers, so he would live loop everything with his voice. Would do beatboxing that, then he would use like a GT one hundred, GT ten, I think, pedal to to do like an octave down and do do the bass, and then just like sing on top and create these like soundscapes with just his voice and a loop pedal and he you know he was touring Europe and other countries so i was watching a interview and he said that the first video of him well basically in the interview he said that you know he he has a successful career just because of youtube so that was like wow and then he said that the first video that went uh, viral and you know took took his took his career off or something like that was the video where the camera person had the direct audio feed which is like a minor mm -hmm. detail, but it's like it's like pretty big to have a direct audio feed. So then I definitely well, uh, crap! Um, I have to have a uh, a a you know direct feed out of the mixer or something, you know? Because then I watched this other guy on YouTube, and he said that people are fifty percent twice as likely to watch a a bad video quality if it has really good audio. So that's another like factor, you know, in, in, in audience retention or something, something like insert any corporate analytical language, you know. Um, right. So so then I started doing that. But still, I was like doing just like one song or two songs. And then the just big camera was a hassle. And sometimes I just felt shy, you know, because it's like a big camera and I'm, I'm supposed to perform there. I don't know. I just felt weird. Sometimes I get like what are people thinking of me you know so maybe today i'm i'm not going to bring a camera to a gig but then i found out these small cameras and then i started using these like really small cameras that you just turn them on and then they just film for 2 hours straight and then uh, they just shut off when the battery dies so that was a game changer in in more efficient content producing which by the way i still had no views <laughs> so <laughs> So, so it, it was there a video that you feel was your breakout moment? Then was it was there one that just took off and you're like, aha, this is the formula? Well, it didn't. I didn't figure out the formula until much much later. 
and I still, I, I don't think I still know the formula, but th there was a video. Yeah, I was doing a gig. There was again no one there uh, at a at a. Well, it's you see, summer in Florida is off season, so it's very few people. Anyways, I think it was like a weekday at a brewery, and uh, these three three people came, you know, came in, and there were like two people in the. So I guess like five people total, and I'm just playing. It's an outdoors stage, you know. They have outdoor seating. And I'm just jamming and just doing my soundscapes, you know, guitar solos for like 10 minutes. And and this lady that, you know, she was, I don't know, drunk a little bit. And can you do Tender Surrender by Steve I? And I'm like, what? And she's like, Tender <laughs> Surrender by Steve I. And then, and I just, you know, I just captured all of that. And out of three hour footage, when you know, I, I, I can't, I, I went back home and then I, I just edit each song into individual videos. And then that one particular had an interaction. So I just added, I added, did I add subtitles? I think I added subtitles. And then I posted it and it, and that, uh, and I titled it when someone requests a Steve I song, cause that's the best description of the, you know, in the title I could come up with. And then it got like, I think like, mm -hmm. 6,000 views in the first two weeks, I think, which was like, wow, I'm going to send this to, to Motorworks, which was the name of the venue I was playing to show them, look how many views I got. And your, your banner is in the back, 6,000 views on YouTube, you know, and then, uh, and then, uh, Hurricane Irma came to Florida. So we had to evacuate. It was 20, 2017 and it was my birthday too. And then I, uh, there was no network on my phone. I think uh, something happened to my phone and got broken. So anyways, we were driving day and night and we, I think, got somewhere to Alabama and then I checked my phone and then like over just a like, couple days, the video was up to like quarter million and then like a few days later, it was like a half a half a million, then a million. Then it just, it just went nuts, you know? The whole channel just like, you know, kind of went nuts. That's crazy. That 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 is that is such a you know that light bulb moment that everybody <clears throat> excuse me everybody is looking for when they're doing this YouTube thing, and uh, it seems like the the real answer when I when you talk to anybody is like it goes back to what you say is consistency and just keep producing because I'm I'm sure when you uploaded that you didn't anticipate that that was going to be the big one it was just a video with some drunk lady in it. Like, yeah, yeah, and it's, it's uh, not like it's weird, you know. Like Steve I is somehow on Google Trends. It's not like guitar is a popular topic. It's like none of those are somehow like uh, you know part of like your perfect BuzzFeed type of viral video formula. You know, N none of those. You know, so, no. Yeah. So let's talk about your live rigs. So you you've got a pretty unique setup, and I can't entirely tell what what your setup is like. So can you give us a breakdown of that from guitar to amplifier or whatever whatever you're using? Sure. Well, when I first started, uh, I wanted to you know play with the band, but most of the venues they said, oh, we don't have enough of a budget to play with a band, so I would just come and do a gig of just strumming guitar and singing or like finger picking and just singing, and then I got into looping. I think four or five years ago, I got like one one looper pedal. And then, uh, so the current rig is like a slow evolution from that. You know, it just added more and more over time. So right now, okay, let's see. So I have a bunch of guitars. Um, the the initial guitar that that I saved up, you know, money and took me a while is Schecter Banshee Elite. 
seven string Floyd Rose with a Sustainiac version. Um, it's yeah. Ooh. So th that's that's like my my the first guitar that I well not it's not my first guitar I ever bought, but it's like I wanted a seven string and I wanted a Floyd Rose because you know what. And then um, current gig current rig. Okay, so Boss GT one thousand for the guitar tones. Basically everything has amp simulation. Everything. So there's no amp. Mm -hmm. Then uh, okay, and then gotcha. I run uh, Boss SY three hundred through the effects loop, and that's like a synthesizer. So I have like this weird stereo sound. So I, like you can hear a guitar on the left sometimes, and then it's like a synthesizer overdubbing in the right or something. Um, but sometimes I use it, sometimes I don't. Uh, I have uh, Roland SPD SX uh, drum pad for all my for all my drum sounds. And I have Roland JDXI synthesizer. It's like a smaller, smaller three three octave synthesizer, and uh, Boss RC five hundred five looper, and uh, microphone. I think it's Telefunken M eighty, and uh, for vocal effects, I used uh, TC Helicon Voice Live Play for the longest time, but then Boss Boss came out with okay. uh, Boss. VE five hundred, so I'm using that, and it's uh, it's way better. Yeah, so I, th I think that's it. In what way? What makes it better? Well, the TC Helicon is really good, but I think their technology is older. They had that same technology for like ten years, and then then Boss came came comes out with this one this year. So there, there are like you know tweakable EQ and tweakable compression. You know, so I can I can really like t tweak it to the point where it sounds like uh sounds like it's like uh was recorded in the studio and then processed. So it has a, oh, and, and it has really good auto-tune, so I can do all of the trap, you know, I can do all of, uh, all of, yeah. <laughs> That's the video I was watching is you're, 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 uh, when you're classically trained, but you listen to trap once. I, that's the video that I was sucked into that made me late for this, so I apologize, but it was that's your video. <laughs> well, I had those face tattoos for the entire gig and uh, I just, I don't know. I, t I thought it was funny. Some people were confused, but but uh, but it was it was it was a fun gig, you know. So did did anyone think that those face tattoos were real? Oh yeah, if you read the comment, yeah, like people are like, no, don't do this to your face or something. Oh, I'm so disappointed. <laughs> I'm unsubscribing, you know. I'm unsubscribing because of your mm -hmm. face tattoos. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's funny. You're like, okay, bye. I don't. I mean, <laughs> they're not real. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, yeah. So, did did you do you feel like you uh, really kind of developed this style of playing on your own, or were there some other musicians that inspired you to to create a rig like this and play the way you do? I would say Dub Effects, but he was you know beatboxing and using his voice as a bass. So I try I tried that early on. There's no videos of that, but I tried beatboxing. It just sounded it's just not good. I just really wanted that real sound, whatever real mm -hmm. like dance or real drums or like club drums or like EDM or hip hop, um, and and the bass. You know, I, I used I used to use an octave pedal for the guitar to drop the uh, guitar octave down to make it sound like a bass. Then at one point, I even had a double neck guitar that had bass and electric. You know, coin joined. You know, I guess that's the premise of a double neck, uh, dual neck guitar. And but that was just too heavy, and and it was just not a very good guitar. So, 
I guess it just came about out of out of need uh, to to have those sounds, and because uh, technology was there, you know, there there is there are such things as you know loopers and uh, drum pads where you can put your own drum sounds and um, synthesizers where you can you know drop how many octaves you want and you just like whoa, whoa, whoa. you know it's just it, you know really cool stereo bass you know? <laughs> so and i've seen i've seen yeah now i've seen i wouldn't say like oh i'm the first one but there are people who are doing this and i don't you know i'm not it's, this is not a race you know so i i don't see like any any benefit of being the first one at it but tash sultana then mark rebier uh they are doing this who else is looping I remember Brian Fitzy, but I don't, I don't. He was doing demos for Gear, and I think he's like a violin guitar player, multi instrumentalist looper. Oh, Elise Trow, she's doing it with Ableton Live, so she'll like loop drums and everything yes. else. So there are like, there are people. Um, Nastya Maslova, uh, she she was actually way before me, you know. So that's where I got the idea to get RC five hundred five actually from. That's one of the first people I saw using that particular looper, was was from her videos. Um, so yeah, that that's that's a bunch, you know. Yeah. What is it about the the RC five hundred five that you like out there uh, over and above other loopers? Well, it has five tracks, and they can each be individual length, and there's not another looper that can do that. Oh. Maybe that's what I've been looking for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been trying to find an upgrade. I have a, I have a very, very not advanced, but pretty good simple looper, the Digitech uh, Jamman XT, okay. the little one button, one knob thing. And it works really well, but it obviously is pretty limited in how you can control things once you've got it recorded. Right, um, right. So I've been trying to find an upgrade. Maybe I need to look at the 505. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a beast. You know, it has input effects, output effects, and... Uh... Uh, you can you can has four inputs, so that's another thing. You know, I wanna I wanna plug in my guitar, my drum pad, my synthesizer, and sometimes my vocals. You know, so and then it's basically like uh like you know producing producing music live. You know, just so I do all kinds of like you know the music drops out or comes back in or like uh, like a low pass filter, you know, high pass filter. You know, um, I've been looking at some other gear too. I think. Uh, Roland, was it? Yeah, I think it was. Roland just announced like MC seven oh seven, which is like a like a beat maker with a synth engine and a sampler, and it could be used as an eight track looper. Oh, so I'm, I'm I'm like watching videos of that. It's mainly geared at like live music production, more like hip hop and EDM. But that's exactly what I'm trying, the direction I'm trying to go to. You know, mm -hmm. with with guitar. Right. So, so I don't know. I've, I've been looking at tutorial videos on on that particular piece of gear, and maybe I'll try to I'll try to get a hold of it. You know, somehow. You mentioned something earlier about guitar. You know, not necessarily being a trending topic, and uh, and you know, you you just kind of referenced the hip hop and EDM worlds. With you trying to blend the two a little bit, what's your opinion on the people who say? you know, the articles that you read that are like, guitar's dying and guitar's dead. What, what's your take on that? Well, commercially speaking, it is dead. It's been dead since 2010, at least. This this other guy on YouTube, I forget his name, but he did like a really good video. When did, 
When Did Rock Die? And he ran statistics of the most popular albums in the U.S. and in the United Kingdom and the top charts. And and he just and this like a like a beautiful graph of how much guitar is used and exactly the point where you don't hear guitar like at all. And it's 2010. So in 2010, you could argue that rock and guitar died commercially. So the way I see it, the birth of rock and roll, the 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 Elvis and the Beatles is like a like a massive nuclear explosion that gave birth to this industry. Uh, you know, which is, you know, guitar pedals and guitars. Now, thanks to the explosion being so powerful, so there is still nuclear radiation in the air that sustains ongoing sales. Now, usual, like, guitar manufacturers and, you know, people who keep statistics, well, the guitar sales are rising every year. Well, the reason they're rising, because they're calculating ukuleles as guitars. So, actually, ukuleles outsell guitars, and so it, if you calculate only guitars and not ukuleles the sales are declining um and i think another reason why it's like people say it's like dead or dying or something like that is it's, it hasn't innovated that much um it, when it comes to uh, innovated in the sense that a regular person can understand and appreciate so so um there's like this counterculture that they 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 advance the guitar playing to, to 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 new amazing levels, but the more you advance in that particular direction, the less and less people who don't play guitar will understand that style of music. Um, so so my idea is to to bring guitar and everything the best that it has to offer to the uh, to the zeitgeist, which is currently is hip hop, and hip hop is the new. Is, is the current blues and and rock music so um, you could also argue that rock didn't die it just be became something that people don't like that used to like the old rock you know because the spirit of rock currently is with uh, with hip-hop and you know i can elaborate on that if you want I, me to. <laughs> I think i understand what you mean and and i can def i would agree that hip-hop is the new rock and roll in in uh, as far as its cultural relevance goes for sure uh it is it is 100 the rock and roll of its time as far as genres go i i have a little bit different viewpoint on the the overall quote-unquote decline of guitar sales and and also the lack of large rock stars i i view it a little bit differently and i'm also you know tightly you know plugged into the gear industry and when you look at all these reports that people have access to you can you know you, it doesn't tell the full story because you know there's so many small manufacturers now and small builders whether it's effects pedals or small luthiers or or whatever that are in my opinion they're not accounted for so i know i have a few companies that i do some work for that they don't report any of their sales right. to anybody but the government you know they don't they don't need to tell these industry rags what they're doing because it doesn't benefit them to do that. And they are not being mm -hmm. asked, honestly, so it doesn't really matter. But um, my viewpoint on the declining guitar sales is I think a lot of the small manufacturers have, have, have eaten into the bigger retail outlets and have eaten into the bigger players in the business, the, the Fenders, the, you know, the Gibsons of the world. And I think they're really feeling that pinch now, like a, almost like a, 
I'm not saying they're dying, but I like a death by a, a thousand cuts scenario uh, where there's just all these little pieces taking away from them that also aren't being reported to to anywhere. So it looks like some sales are declining worse than they actually are in, in my opinion. That's just my viewpoint okay. on it. That, that's interesting. Yeah. It's a, because there's a, if you look at uh, you know brands like like Kiesel out of California, right? They're selling a lot of lot of guitars. They're not telling anybody exactly how how many guitars they're selling, mm-hmm. but they're also not a Fender, you know, so they don't have to. Uh, so th- there's there's a lot of that going on, I think, as well. And also, I think there's a fracturing of attention. Now there's people paying attention to guys like you on YouTube and paying attention to you know more niche maybe they got really into metal or i think everything's so much more fractured and everyone's attention pa- attention spans are so much more fractured that when they go to listen to music they they're very specific with what right. they want so not everyone's listening to led zeppelin now you know back then zeppelin was on the radio you know they were the biggest band in the world because the gatekeepers said they're going to be the biggest band in the world now uh, there's a there's so many more artists and so many more ways to get your message out there. I think that is also leading to the dilution of the quote unquote rock star. But that's uh, I think there's a lot of sides to this coin is what I'm getting at. More than two. Right. <laughs> that's like a four dimensional coin. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's more like a D20, I think, than anything else. But what it, when you when you were talking about hip hop having the spirit of rock and roll now, can you elaborate on what you mean by that? Have you seen the movie Cadillac Records? I have not. Sounds familiar so, though. It's like about it's about chess records and blues in Chicago in fifties. Oh, that sounds fun. Uh, Beyonce plays Etta James. Um, it's Muddy Waters, I think. Who's playing? It's like there's Chuck Berry. It's about Lil Walter. It's like all of them. You know, it's all Willie Dixon. Um, I forget the actor's name, but it's like good actors, you know. And um, what's yeah. okay? I, f- I forget the actor's name. Doesn't matter. Okay, so right. So Muddy Waters, Lil Walter, Howling Wolf. Okay, all made up names. Uh, Lil Uzi, Lil Yachty. Uh, okay. Post Malone, all made up names. Okay, so mm-hmm. in, in that movie Cadillac Records, it was like they were. It was like a, there was, there's like prologue where they're talking about like, if you could play the guitar, you were you were better than Superman. Mean, meaning like all the women liked the performer and all the men wanted to be like that particular performer. And then they showed certain scenes of a blues juke joint and all the young people are you know drinking and dancing, kind of like a modern club. And they they were all wearing fancy suits and and buying Cadillacs and making tons of money from their hits that made it to the radio. Well, the same thing with all the, you know, uh, hip hop and trap artists currently. It's literally, same message like like do 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 do, hoochie coochie man. It's like literally twerking and booty, but adapted to that particular decade. It's like oh yeah okay. The, the themes, you know, I'll put a tiger in your tank. It's just a more subtle reference. Again, it's like, it's fit. And same thing, just like hip hop. Okay, certain radio stations. Oh, what about the kids? They're listening to this. It's affecting the kids. Literally, same story. Okay, this blues music. 
what they're singing about. Have you heard the lyrics? Oh my God. You know, what about the kids? Most radio stations like band, they, they didn't even play that music because of um, cultural tensions as, as well, which is horrible. But so, so there's, there's so many themes that are just lining up together, you know? So, so it's yeah. like, yeah, the, the way I'm viewing, it's like, I listen to Migos Culture 2 album. It's like literally blues to me. It's like it's like blues and rock and roll, okay? It's just that even even the the bass, the 808, the chords is like uh in the minor 1731, you know, it's like do 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 do. I I hear that, but it's like paced at a different tempo, but I hear it, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, I think I think that makes a lot of sense. And it is, you know, for all of the, you know, uh, look out for the kids. We got to try to protect the kids. And I understand that, you know, that sentiment as a father, but I also don't really, I don't want to be the guy that's uh, criticizing Elvis's shaking hips, you know, uh, because, because that's just too much for me to handle, which, you know, literally almost everyone looks back on and laughs at now. Yeah. Uh, but at the time it, it was viewed as dangerous. Like, it was it had never been done before and it's you know, the same thing you fast forward to like the punk rock movement in, especially in the 70s and that really shook people up they were like oh no what's this going to lead to our culture is declining right, right. but that <laughs> and 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 it looks like it if you uh it, it, i can understand why they view it that way but bigger picture culture's doing okay we didn't decline in the 70s we did all right and we'll probably be okay moving forward from from this too <laughs> I think we're going to be fine. Yeah. With cool music to listen to. Well, that's the point of art. It it's supposed to push the limit. It's supposed to make you feel uncomfortable. If if it's like uh you know like it's it's if it's, it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't challenge the viewer, the the person who's supposed to experience the art, then it's like I don't know, then it's a home decor or it's a kitsch, you know? But it's supposed to like like mm -hmm. challenge some kind of emotion or preconceived notion, you know? Um yeah. We've talked about a lot of different artists on this from a lot of different genres, but when you are sitting down to just enjoy some music, who are you putting in your ears these days? Well, so I just downloaded a Post Malone newest album and a Taylor Swift album lover and Lana Del Rey. Um, so I'm listening to a lot of super, like very popular music that's very popular today. Because you see, when blues was topping charts that was the popular music you know when the big band jazz was like frank sinatra bing crosby and glenn miller and the dorsey brothers that was popular music they didn't call it jazz they call it pop you can actually find interviews of uh, uh leonard bernstein talking about beatles and how these kids they're playing this pop music so it's essentially pop music he's literally talking about beatles and it's pop music so it, all that pop means is popular so right now so i'm listening to pop music and most people ooh, you know pop music but you know everybody likes pop music it just it depends on which decade it was pop you know and, and maybe it's no longer pop so now it has a different name to it um so so i'm listening to a lot of like chart topping music to try to figure out how it's made what innovations they are using in production and mix mixing and mastering and how they're like eqing 
what's the what's the length what's the formula what's the what the chord progressions like you know there are some really interesting chord progressions you know like the 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 uneducated notion is that it's a it's a uh one five six four but that that's like so early 2000s actually it it has gotten way more interesting than that and so i'm just you know learning those those things because i'm trying to because um i have this skill called playing guitar and I, you know i want it i want it to be useful you know in the in the big in the big world and and uh, to, to 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 put it to show that you can play pop music with guitar to show that you can play hip hop and trap with guitar and uh that it's it's uh that it's not dead that it could be uh that's the skill that i you know spend over a decade developing and can be used and readapted you know and it's and I think one of the reasons why there's like so little guitar, because like the guitars, the guitar players, they don't play hip hop or pop music. It's like some 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 sort of like a like a, it's not it's like they're too cool for that. And the hip hop artists, the ones that are you know passionate about you know sampling new sounds, they they don't have formal you know like a regular musical education. So some oftentimes they you know they don't even play an instrument. So if you know if you can take the best of both worlds and put it together then you know you can have like some really awesome music yeah and uh there's a guy i've been following on instagram for a little bit he's he's not he's not like a huge channel or anything but i think what he's doing is really interesting his his uh instagram handle is shreddy murphy and i think the 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 e in shred i think is a three if i'm remembering correctly um yeah i follow the same dude do yeah, you, do this you? guy he's great i follow that guy he's yeah. so good that's really funny that we both follow him. <laughs> R and B and yeah, he's not yeah he's not like popular like super at all. But like a thousand he, followers like, or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, and he uses hashtag trap rock, you know, rock trap, you know, and 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 he he's trying to do that, you know. He's he's he put a video up the other day, I and mean, sometimes he just solos in rap songs, and it's like, oh mm-hmm. wow, this is not what I would have expected to sound good, but it does the way he does it. It sounds really good. Uh, everybody should follow him. I think it's a very interesting. I think it's really interesting what he's doing. Um, personally, yeah. but uh, it, it does seem to kind of be a, a different angle than what the, what you're going for, but kind of, kind of trying to do a similar thing, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, and if you listen to the newest post Malone album, it's like, it's already happening. There's so much guitar in there. It's ridiculous it even uh, one of the songs has a guitar solo in it you know like like and not just like a, like a, a guitar solo that repeats the line of the chorus no it's like a real guitar it's a proper guitar solo you know so it's 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 coming back it's happening and i've even recorded uh, a guitar for malik yusuf's yusuf uh solo album and he's a hip-hop writer and producer um, so, so it's, there's, it's, 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 it's coming about, you know, you just gotta be, you just gotta be open-minded to new genres, you know, cause there were, there were plenty of jazz guitarists bashing blues and there were plenty of, you know, rock and roll musicians bashing disco. And it's like back in my day music, it's like never ending. They're, they always the same argument back in my day music was better. You know, no, it's just, you think that that's it. You know? <laughs> well and and this is something i i i talked about before on the podcast and i still find it really interesting i i need to dig the article up but 
that there is scientific evidence that shows that the music we listen to as teen- teenagers gets ingrained in us in a very special way. So in in a weird in a weird way to all these individuals, they're not necessarily wrong. In their brain, that music does sound better because it physically changed them when they were a teenager. Yeah, Adam. Which is kind of interesting. And it doesn't have that same ad- adaptation in adulthood, it doesn't seem, most of the time. Yeah, Adam Adam Neely made a video about that. Oh, did he? Oh, I didn't see the video. I was reading a some Wired article or something Yeah, I on didn't it. read it, but I watched it. He made an extensive video about it. Yeah, and it's like the, the, the key age seems to be 14. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I still like a lot of the things I liked when I was 14. For me, it's more like 16, 16, 17, uh, or were the, the real impressionable ages for me. Um, I think that's when music really changed changed my life personally it seems like 14 was your your number though that was the guitar the guitar day yeah i guess yeah that's when i started playing guitar yeah there you go very interesting so do you do you have predictions then considering all the things we've talked about and everything that that we've kind of discussed do you have a prediction for five years from now what things are going to look like in the guitar world um, well, he, the metal niche will come up with a new new subgenre of a subgenre of metal. <laughs> <laughs> going to be yes, a, Death Grind Dwarf Core is yeah. the next big one. Yes, so that's definitely going to happen. Um, well, prediction. I don't know. Everybody's like, oh, MIDI, MIDI. It's going to be a MIDI, and it's like each MIDI guitar. It's like. Come on, just do it right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just do it right. You think anyone's going to get it right? I don't know. It's like they're all trying to I don't think they will cuz they're trying to replicate. If they were wouldn't if they wouldn't try to replicate a real life instrument and just do something new. Like you know who did it right? Uh, the Roly Seaboard. Uh, what do you call that? That squishy black. Oh keyboard. yes. Oh, they they feel so nice. They did it right. It just it's it it's basically a completely new instrument based on a keyboard, as opposed to trying to imitate keyboard. It just they did an amazing job. And everybody who tries to imitate MIDI guitar, I just I I haven't seen one good one. You know, there are some some that are going in the right direction, but. I don't know. I think I think we'll see uh, we'll see more, uh, you know, just guitar being played in popular genres, you know, because that nuclear explosion that was rock and roll, it still has that radiation that impact impacted people for life, and you know, we like yeah, Shreddy Murphy or how many people are there that we don't even know about, you know, so and that are right. just just totally. starting to learn how to play guitar, you know, so. So um, it's uh, it's I don't know. It's just like through through the uh, like process of artificial selection is just it seems to be the most portable and the coolest looking instrument. I mean, they tried doing that with keytars, but keytars like they they tried, okay, but it didn't stick. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that didn't quite work out the way we had all hoped. Although because it's weird and and kind of silly, I now want one uh, because that's the type of person I all am. Right. But <laughs> you're right. 
I don't know why I want a keytar. That's a dumb thing to want, but I do. I think I, I just like to collect. I just like to collect eclectic right, weird no, things. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> That's what That's it comes good. down to. So uh, we're getting down to the last few few minutes here, and obviously, you talked a lot about boss stuff and Roland gear, which is a you know a part of the same umbrella. So you might have an interesting take on this. This is a question I ask ask all the guests. What is your favorite boss pedal? I think they right now released a SY one. It's like a synthesizer. Have you have you seen have yeah. you seen that one? I have definitely. But I guess well, would like a multi effects pedal count as a pedal? If it has the boss logo on it, okay, it counts. Then it's, like, then it's the GT one thousand because it literally has everything. All right, there you go. That's a that seems like a cheating answer, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna let it slide because of what I said. So <laughs> I might need to. I might need to revise that. I never thought about it in my head that that means the boss, the classic boss uh, compact pedal, and which is what I always kind of, which is all anyone's ever picked was something right. from that line. So I might need yeah, to revise yeah, that question a little some bit. Rules and uh, you know <laughs> more precise. Yeah, some regulation. regulation. <laughs> well. With that in mind, do you have a favorite from the compact line? Um, I always like DD7 and RV6, you know, the reverb and delay. Uh, those two. Yeah, yeah good yeah. solid. What else? Uh, multi-overtone. It's a little bit newer, but I think it's like three, four years old when they announced it. Uh, it adds like these, like I don't know, artificial harmonics on top. I don't know, it just makes guitar sound weird. I like all the pedals that make guitar sound a little bit more interesting or expand the uh, expand the frequency palette of the guitar because the the guitar is essentially a a guitar with a with a telephone pickup in it and the the, the principle of that technology hasn't changed so and what telephone pickup or just regular guitar pickup does it just squishes squishes the frequencies uh, you know the low end and the high end and at the time in the recordings 50s 60s even 70s you know it was already like you didn't need much, but now you have like full fidelity. So that's why synthesizers just basically trumped the guitar because it's just, it's just, uh, it just, uh, it tickles your ears in much more intense way. You know, the, the, the wider range right. of frequencies. So that's why right. you, like, even now you're seeing more shredders play guitar on clean because it, it has, it has so much more frequency, you know, from low to high, as opposed to something compressed or distorted. It's like it's like very narrow in the mix, you know. So, so I guess like multi overtone, you like play distorted guitar, and when you engage the boss, multi overtone, it just it just uh, adds uh, what was taken away, you know. I have noticed that trend that you mentioned that 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 people are like clean shredding these days, which is a it's something. It's not a new concept, right? You know, like Django Reinhardt and things like that have been around yeah. for a long time, but it kind of fell out of fashion, and now it's it's coming back. You know, sprinkle a little verb on it, maybe a little compression, and the way that some of these players are getting their guitars to sound, I'm just like, well, am I even a guitar player? Because that is some next level. You know, I've just heard some next level things on Instagram and YouTube. It just, I don't even know how to get started. I just layer everything in so much fuzz and now I'm like, I don't even know if I know how to play guitar. Maybe I don't. <laughs> Maybe I just play pedals, which is entirely possible. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's what I should put in my bio. I play pedals. 
I seen yeah. somebody on the internet somewhere with that in their bio. Like I play pedals, not guitar. I was like, oh, well, maybe that's what I do. I never thought about it that way. But you know, the way you're you're set up, it is almost a, a completely different experience. You know, it, you almost are playing a different instrument outside of holding a guitar and making it make the notes. The way you the, the other things you have to do to make that work, they're not the same as what muddy waters had to do it's not the same thing yeah but electric guitar at the time well you know people say muddy waters invented electricity because he was the first <laughs> blues person to play electric guitar so uh, by by uh by by the same logic that he was using something within the genre that was so new and radical and the snobs and the old people of that particular genre frowned upon it. So you could argue that, I don't know, uh, Kanye West has more in common with Muddy Waters than a Muddy Waters tribute band. Ah, yeah, I, I think, I think that is an interesting way to look adjusted at it. for inflation. Inflation meaning, of course, you know, just the time. Because Muddy Waters didn't play covers from uh, 1885, that time. No. Right. So it's like you see a blues band, blues tribute band of some old other band. It's like, well, cool, but it's uh, what's new? And it's nothing new. It's, uh, you know, they might do justice for the genre, you know, and uh, but but there's no innovation, you know. That's that's why it's exciting when you see somebody like like Gary Clark Jr., who uses blues, you know, kind of as as a foundation, but takes it to some place that it's never been yeah. before. And uh, I, I I I really do like that. I really do like the experimentation and and the boundary pushing. Uh, I I make so much weird noise out here. It's it's kind of obscene. I, it, my wife's like that doesn't even sound like a guitar anymore. I'm like, well, it's because I'm running it through four synth pedals. Of course, it doesn't sound like a guitar yeah, anymore. That's the point. But uh, I'm all about experimentation for sure. Oh yeah, and, and Lil Walter, he was the first harmonica player to plug in a harmonica microphone to a guitar amp. Oh yeah. Then that changed everything. Yeah, that's that was that was considered craziness back then. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I got you got to do something crazy too. You know, because like, so this is uh this is getting close to the end, and I got to get you to the uh, the big question. This is the this is the one that that you know can make or break careers, is what I'm told. <laughs> okay. What kind of pizza do you like? With pineapple. <laughs> oh God! Oh jeez. This podcast is over. <laughs> we got. I'm hanging up okay. right now. You know, you like Hawaiian. Hawaiian's your your jam. I guess so. Yeah, that's what you call it. Yeah, because there's. Do you know? It's like like a national chain. It's called Blaze Pizza, and it's basically like a, like a fast food pizza. You walk in and you get to choose everything. So I, I like that. Then I, okay. I get a bunch of pineapple on top. Yeah. Just loaded yeah, up with yeah, pineapple. Yeah. Did you? Well, the main argument <laughs> is that it. Are you just saying that to be no, trolly no, no. right so, now, or do you really load so it up that heavy? Out. So pineapple is a fruit, right? So like the main argument against pineapple on pizza is is like, oh, it's a fruit. You're not supposed to put fruit on pizza. Well, guess what? Tomato is technically a fruit. So so the tomato sauce is basically fruit sauce as the pizza base. So the argument is invalid. 
my argument against pineapple on pizza is not that that it's a fruit and not any of that stuff. My argument is that I don't like pineapple and nobody seems to everyone thinks I'm on this band bandwagon of hating pine, pineapple on pizza. No, I just hate pineapple. Well, what pineapple stop. pineapple does, it has these enzymes when you eat pineapple, it those enzymes they eat inside of your mouth. So basically technically when you eat pineapple, the pineapple eats you. See, I was right all along, guys. See? I knew it. That fruit was out to kill us all. That's what it's trying to do. Yeah. That's what's really going on. Yeah. I did not know that though. That's is that real? That's a yeah, real thing. Yeah, sometimes like you eat a pineapple and it feels like it's like something like stinging your tongue or something. So it's because of that enzyme. You know? It's usually with fresh pineapple, yeah. It's like can be really intense. Wow. But the more you know, and see, it is a death fruit. I've been right this whole time. Yep. <laughs> Ten-year-old me was right when I first <laughs> bit a pineapple. Funny. Decided. Anyway. Well, tell everyone where they can find you and all that jazz. Where can they find you just, on the interwebs? Just, uh, uh, just be like, hey, Siri, play Davidus. And then if you say it right, it will play. Or just, you know, go on Google and type in. But you got to know how to spell it. It's D-O-V. That's in, as in, well. Victor. You know how. Yes, exactly. D-O-V-Y-D-A-S. It's Davidas. And it's, it's just, it just comes up. It comes up. There is even a Wikipedia page, too. It's fairly accurate slash inaccurate, but it exists, too. So. <laughs> it's funny. This is the second time recently that a Wikipedia page has came up right now. Like right now. Nick Reinhardt was just re- on here and he was requesting that somebody make him a Wikipedia page, which I'm not sure if that's happened yet. Mm-hmm. So strange coincidence. Strange world we live in. That's funny. Well, thank you so much for doing this. This was a really fun chat. I had a really great time. And uh, th- thank you so much for coming on. Likewise. Th- th- thanks for having me. And uh We'll have to do it sometime again, maybe maybe even in person, if I make it out to the uh, West Coast. Ooh, that would be beautiful. Yeah, you got to come by the shed and we'll make all kinds of noise. It'll be wonderful. Nice. All right. All right, everybody. For Davidas, this is Blake. And as always, folks, good luck and good tones. All right, folks, there you have it. Make sure you hop on the Google machine, type in his name. You'll find out all the Davidas stuff. You'll find his YouTube channel. He's easy to find. He's an easy, easy dude to track down. And if you would like to hear us talk more, oh yes, there's more of this conversation over on Patreon. So you go to patreon.com slash tonemob, where for five bucks a month, you get extra episodes delivered right to your ears every week. Yes, Extra audio episodes. Not full-blown. Sometimes. Sometimes they are. If I can talk the guest into sitting around for two hours with me, (laughs) sometimes we can get an extra full in there. But usually, it's another 20, 30 minutes or so of of the conversation. And when that doesn't happen, I've got other content that I put in there. I've got conversations with my good friend, Justin Porter. I've got uh, audio demos I do. There's all kinds of other additional content over there that I try to stick in there for the Patreon subscribers. So if that's your thing, that's where you find that. And yeah, I think that's it for this week. So I will talk to you next time. Bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you 
that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to tonemob.com stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is tonemob.com stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstory as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gun Street harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunStreetWiringShop.com and check them out.